You're listening to the Short-Term Revolution Podcast. If you're a physician and want to generate meaningful side income, you're in the right place. Learn how to make real income from short-term rentals. So pour yourself a cup of coffee and let's catch up. Welcome to the Short-Term Revolution Podcast. And now your host, a pediatric anesthesiologist, real estate investor, and now short-term rental host, Dr. Chiagosi Fawole. Hey there, Short-Term Revolution Podcast people. I am super excited that you're with me for another episode of the Short-Term Revolution Podcast. Listen, I'm really excited today because today is picture day at the Lake House. And I and once I'm done with this, actually, we'll be going out to get it all staged and ready for the photographers. It has been a bit of a journey and, I'm, and I'll be sharing about, about it in like in future episodes, just like broken down in different ways. But picture day excitement that you had when you were probably in like grade school. Well, I actually have that right now for this property and I'm really excited and also looking for the next property. So if you know another, if you know someone who has a property in a nice travel area that they that they want to offload, hey, hit me up, let me know. <laughs> All right. Today, actually, I want to share a little bit about something that people don't really talk about as much because my goal with this podcast, by the way, is to sort of open up or like, what's the word, uncover or expose, not in a bad way, but in a revealing way, the, those questions that you may be having at the back of your mind that actually have answers, but if you haven't had anybody to actually ask them to, so you probably haven't asked them out loud, or you may have asked them like on a Facebook group or something, I mean, totally ignored because nobody wants to really tell you what's going on. But those questions are the reason why some of you haven't gotten started investing in short-term rentals. So I have a friend, her name is Atifa. She actually says this, like, if your brain asks you a question, answer it, right? Because your brain is, our brains are designed to keep us safe. Our brains are designed to be like, hey, what are you doing? You're going to fall off that cliff. Can you stop right now, right? So if our brain kind of senses anything that sounds like unusual, unfamiliar, it says, how about you just stay over here? But if we actually answer those questions that our brains are asking, then we're actually able to move forward better. So I'm going to be the one answering those questions that your brains are asking. And by the way, if you have a question that you'd like us to address on this podcast, feel free to hit me up, chiagazier at savvydoctors.co. Send me an email and I'll probably consider that question as a topic for a future episode. So what am I trying to talk about today? So one thing that people don't talk about enough of is the impact of seasonality on your short-term rental revenue. So when I, before I got started with our, with our rentals in Dallas, and as some of you may know, those rentals were actually gotten by leasing, not by buying, at least the, all the ones that we got down in Dallas. Before I got started with them, one of the biggest concerns and fears that I had was that I would be stuck with the lease if I wasn't able to rent them out. Now, was it a valid fear? I don't know if I'll call it valid. It's hard for me to actually own that something was a valid fear, but there is something called seasonality in the travel market. So one of the things that I teach my people in our, in our coaching programs is that when you're trying to pick a place to, to, you know, to invest money, whether you're doing it by arbitrage or by leasing, you need to be at least aware 
of the seasonality in the area. Now, what does the seasonality look like? If you go to a place like, say, the Hamptons, for example, you will see extremes of seasonality where in the summer months from June through August, they could generate over six figures of, of revenue. But then you go to December and it's like crickets, $2,000. I'm talking like they have some, I've seen some listings that when I looked them up, I saw even as high as like 40,000 in one month, $50,000 in one month. <laughs> but then you look at their January and it's crickets. It's $2,000, which is a pittance for them over there, right? So if you are an investor over there and you happen to have launched sometime in May, and then your June came back $30,000, your July came back $50,000. Oh my goodness, what would you do? You will go run out, go buy another property because, oh my gosh, short-term rentals are doing crazy well over here. So let's go stock up. Let's go get another property. And then what happens when December hits, <laughs> right? If you weren't aware of seasonality, you end up stacking up when you really should just be holding. On the contrary, if you bought that property in December and everything was like dead cold, you'd be like, oh my goodness, short-term rentals suck in this place, not realizing that um, summer months were coming. So while that's an extreme situation, most other markets are more tempered, okay? Most other markets may see like a bit of a bump in the summer and then kind of cool off in the winter. But then there are also some markets that are sort of year-round markets. These are usually places that have moderate temperatures, not extremes of temperature, for example, places that oftentimes, because for you to be able to be a year-round market, there probably is some skiing. <laughs> There's probably some skiing going on, right? Say like in the mountains, say like in Poconos, for example, you can have a year-round market. You're listening to the Short-Term Revolution Podcast with your host, Chiagozi Fawole. Now, you probably will still see some fluctuation. You may see some dips in months like April and May or like even March and April because it's not exactly winter and it's not exactly summer yet. <laughs> um, but before you pick a market, always look at the seasonality. How do you find the seasonality? On AirDNA, there's actually a tab that lets you see that. Also on Databoo, if you use that, when you click on it, there's a button that says seasonality and you can see what the curve looks like. What do you do with this curve when you look at it? You basically want to see what the nadar months are, what the lowest months are, and ask yourself, okay, if I had a month this low, would I still at least break even or will, will I have to pull money out of my pocket? And if the answer is I have to pull money out of my pocket, then ask yourself, okay, am I willing to pull this much money out of my pocket on a low month? Now, when I say out of my pocket, it could also be that you simply plan out your year such that when you make the money in the summer, you spread it out or you put it in or you um, save a good amount so that those months can be covered. But you have to be sure that at least when you spread it all out, that it actually makes sense from a financial standpoint. Another thing about, about places that are extremely seasonal is that what if, and this is now my brain, my protect me kind of brain I'm kicking in. And that is, if you go to a place that is extremely seasonal, what if something goes wrong in the month that's supposed to be your high month? Then you're basically screwed for the year. <laughs> okay. So I tend to prefer locations that may have a bump in the summer or in, in some months, but don't have such terrible dips. 
because winter time or whatever off season will be for that area. I mean, it's good to have those times where you can like refresh and, and redo your property, do any kind of deferred maintenance, deep cleaning and things like that. But sometimes if you're not prepared for it, it can cause quite some anxiety, particularly for those who do who do arbitrage and or anyone who may not have planned appropriately, whether you bought the property or you leased. OK, so we are currently on the tail of a dip in seasonality down in Dallas for our units. And so, you know what, how about you share what you did this past winter to sort of weather the winter, if you may, pun very much intended. (laughs) All right. So one of the things that we did, so we actually did have a bit of a slowdown. Some of our units had decreased activity, but thankfully it didn't grind to a halt, which was helpful. One of the things that we did was that we kept, we basically broke our units up into two segments, okay? To the the um, stronger units, and by sh- by by stronger, I mean the ones that like get booked like all the time. Those ones we basically kept them as ultra short term rentals. In other words, the one, two, three day type stays. But then for the other ones that I kind of felt, ah, these ones they're okay, but they're not like popping. <laughs> we basically switched those ones over to twenty one day minimum stays, so that. We could basically preserve the calendar from getting blocked off by a one night stay and then miss a 20, 30 day type stay. So we blocked off those calendars and just made them 21 day stays. Now, if you're the same, I'm thinking, but wait, if you want the short term rental benefits that you can't do 21 day stays because that will alter your average. Right. That's if you bought the property. Right. If your goal is for tax benefits and all of that with the properties that you buy, and you're trying to get those short-term rental loopholes, these on 21 day type stays will probably change things a little bit. But for me, these were arbitrage properties. I mean, there was no tax anything with, with those ones. So I basically ran things the way it will maximize my profitability, irrespective of the tax implications, which really don't exist in <laughs> with arbitrage. Now, if this were if my actual property were in a place that was so affected by seasonality, would I still change to 21 day stays? Probably not. (laughs) In that case, I'll actually ramp up my marketing, ramp up my marketing and try to get people in there just to maximize my revenue. So you see that the strategies that you use to get really nimble with the different strategies to optimize your revenue. Now, keep in mind, I said revenue. I didn't say occupancy, okay? Because occupancy and revenue are two different things. (laughs) You can max out revenue without necessarily maxing out occupancy. So That's a different story for a different day. Okay, so basically our strategy for the arbitrage units down in Dallas, where was that we basically changed to those on 21 day states for some of the units and for the other units that were already popping and continue to basically produce. We basically we kept those ones as they were now off season. The weekends were heavier, which was fine, which basically meant that we had. I mean, our revenue from the weekend ended up being actually what kind of um, took us through these few months. But then now things are kind of back to, you know, busy and normal again, which is really exciting. Another thing that actually helped was that for some of the units, we got some of the refugees. So Airbnb.org.org, Airbnb.org. If you sign up on there, you can sign up to be to host refugees. And we actually had um, some of those. Those actually paid out pretty well. And some of them actually ended up extending their stays beyond the first month. So we basically had some refugees for like almost like three months in some of them, which was really nice because they stayed at a good rate. They basically stayed at the daily rate 
daily rate without discounts for three three months, which was pretty good. So that was actually how we ended up making it through was like down season. And going forward, that would be my game plan for the winter that I will start to transition some units to 21 day stays just to lock in my profit. And then we'll come back. Now that I actually kind of know how that market operates, it is completely market dependent. It's totally market dependent and you have to learn your market. So what I did down in Dallas worked for everywhere, but at least I've given you a couple of strategies that you can use if you notice a slow season. This also works very well because I'm in a metro market. If you're in a vacation type rent place where people don't necessarily come to stay for a whole month, you probably have to use a different strategy. Like I said, increasing your marketing to try to get those dates booked preemptively, preemptively. Anyway, I hope you guys found have found this episode valuable. If you did, I hope you get to share with a friend. Well, first of all, share it on social media, please. Share it with a friend. We just hit a thousand downloads and I am super excited, super excited about the next thousand, the next 10,000, the next 100,000. Can you see that I like to dream? All right, guys. Hope you have a wonderful time. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. 